You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, Sid Talk. <laughs> Thanks. You sound very congenial. Yeah, Sid Talk is uh, not. One hundred percent. I'm not coughing as much, but I'm not at one hundred percent. And what 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 did you have? Uh, I was diagnosed with a bit of laryngitis <clears throat> and uh, sinusitis, which I think that's extremely very 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 common. And that's about it, really. Sep sep semen What sinus? What? Which sinusitis? Sinusitis, like a sinus infection and clogged up sinuses and laryngitis. Sinusitis. <laughs> I'm sure this is not a medical podcast, by the way. No, it is not. <clears throat> anyway, it is. The Big Sick is a good um, title <laughs> yeah. for the movie. Anyway, it's Saturday, December the 9th. This is After the Show, your weekly movie podcast where me, A. Scully, and you, Sid Talk, review a movie. We're reviewing this week on episode 509, The Big Sick. A perfect, perfect time to be sick. When there's a sick movie. <laughs> uh, to be all full disclosure, I have not had to have a medically induced coma. No. But you never know. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> so uh, this is a 2017 movie. It's out on Blu-ray now, rated R. It's from our friends at Lionsgate. And uh, Sid Talk will give us the short synopsis of um, The Big Sick in a sick voice. Mm. Uh, it's based on a true story with lots of fictional license by the two people involved about a man who met a woman and they had issues, maybe reasons they shouldn't be together. Then she got sick. Thus the medically induced coma. His feelings became more clear. Da 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 da. It's a love story. I don't know what else to tell you. And what it says on the um, front cover <laughs> is it's an, an awkward true story. Hmm. I don't agree. It was awkward, but Hey, yeah, <laughs> wasn't particularly awkward. And maybe it was awkward having to hang around her parents. Yeah. So, um, The Big Sick is... Um, I thought it was a Judd Apatow movie, because they've put the name Judd Apatow all over the place. But it's not actually a uh, directed by movie. Um, Nor Judd, written by. Yeah, it's just in Judd Apatow's um, production company, Apatow. So... Um, I really liked the big sick. Yeah, it was really it was really fun. It's very sweet. Very sweet. It's also very um a lot of the dialogue seems very um realistic. Like when he's at uh, first when he meets her and uh, the the discussions they're having together. He's a stand-up comic in this. Well, he's a stand-up comic in real life. Yeah, some of the comedian lines, ugh, where the comedian friends are being whatever they are. Oh my god, they're so annoying. Yes. I don't feel like that's how they talk to each other, but then again, I'm not I don't hang around with comedians. No. So it's very possible, but Louis, I was like, ugh, that was not awkward. Louis CK has <clears throat> talked a lot about the life of being in a comedy club, you know, night after night, like being like mm -hmm. and hanging with the same comedians, and he also mentions that it's just like that. Everybody trying to one-up each other, everybody taking, making fun of each other, kind of 
He says it's a not a, being funny. He says it's exhausting. <laughs> comedians around comedians. Sure. So I think he might have portrayed it realistically. It felt you, very like. Ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like a little uh, everything in life is a little club, isn't it? Like all the all the ta- all the little clubs in life. So the stand-up comics have their club. Oh, and the people yes. who work in Walmart have their club. <laughs> and the is people that a who type? work <clears throat> the people who work in government buildings have their little club. Everybody's got a little. I mean, once you're in that culture, yeah, you everybody sort of adopt. Yeah, okay. Behaves the same around. I thought it. you were saying that. You're drawn to Walmart because you're a certain type. But no, I know what you're saying. The culture of the thing you become You fit a part into of. it, you become it, and then... Well, I'm not very good at fitting into mine, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. My job's a little different. I do work for the government. I do work in an office. But I get to be alone, so a lot of the culture is lost on me. And I've made it very clear to everyone, so I'm a bit notorious for being like, you know, don't ask her. She won't come with us. Don't tell her. She won't care. So I've kind of drawn my line in the sand when it comes to me being part of their culture. So the broad outline of this movie is that. It's a true story. <coughs> he met his he met his girlfriend. Um, she became very sick with... What, what was the disease? Uh, adult onset stills. Yeah, that's it. I'd never heard of that disease. <laughs> it almost sounds like a made-up movie yeah. disease. <laughs> it does. But it's a disease that affects... There's an infection inside you. In her case, there was an infection in her lungs. It was uh, going to kill her if they didn't medically induce a coma and then remove via operation the, you know, uh, infection. So it was life-threatening. And um, he basically had, had met her only a few months before in this movie. I think it's different in real life, right? I know no, what he said within the first six months. Yeah. This then, all happened. So basically you meet a girl and then you fall in love and then the next But you're not it's not really happening, but then she gets really sick and like she's gonna die, and then all of a sudden you decide, Oh shit, yeah. I do love her. Which I think is very real. It could also go the other way. You could be married to somebody and they get very ill and all of a sudden your mind is like, um Am is, I really in this for the long is there, <laughs> I mean, a, mo- I get- is there a movie like that? That'd be that'd be an interesting one too, where all of a sudden you're like, I don't care enough. I mean, I don't want this person to be ill or die, but I can't use the next five years of my life caring for this person. That's got that's a re- that'd be really awkward. Now that is an awkward story. I'm feeling like there is a movie about that, but I'm blanking on what it is. Hmm. You know, hmm. Hmm. I have to think about that. So, yeah, this is a romantic comedy based on a true story, even though. While you're watching it, it doesn't feel like a true story to me. It feels like something wrote for a mo- romantic comedy. But then when you realize it's a real thing. It feels real in so much that it, has, like you said, it has those moments where you feel like, oh, that seems like the right balance of dialogue. And, you know, the when they first meet and the comments that are said to each other, that seems real. Yeah. But the scenario, everything... And as we find out, not everything in it is real. No. They and, made up a bunch of stuff. And the script was actually written by Kumal Nanjani and his wife. Um, so who better to write this the script than the people who actually said <laughs> the things mm-hmm. that occurred? So I believe you feel a bit of that? It's up to them. If it's their true story and they want to change things, I think that's totally fine. Because yeah. it's their life. Right? And there, there are some 
things changed in this movie. If you go and look, if you watch this Blu-ray actually, and yeah. then watch the extras, there's a piece on what the real story is. It's not that much different, but there are some. Uh, they just, I think a thing about a cheating dad is pretty different. Yeah, there are some um, <laughs> details that are dramatic added for dramatic effect. Um, so what I got from this movie, um, I romantic comedies, which I would say this is one. Mm-hmm. Um, I often don't, I don't gel with them that much. I don't like some of them are a bit. Not saying I'm not a romantic person. Oh, you are. I'm saying some of them are a bit too cheesy. When so often when they're not based on anything real, they're just like, oh, this is a love story of some kind, and it's funny. I'm trying to think of one, and I can't. Something with Keanu Reeves, or <laughs> I don't know. You know, who's in romantic comedies a lot? Who's the guy? Oh, something like Bridget Jones' Diary. That wasn't based on anything real, was it? Not, um, well, that woman wrote it. I don't yeah. know if it was based on her true antics. Well, you but. know how it feels kind of cheesy mm-hmm. like and not real in any way? It just feels very movie-like. So sure. those ones I don't really gel with that much. But when you add a bit of realism to them, like this one... What's even- the realism? Not just that it's a true story, based on a true story, just that dialogue between people seems a bit more... Yeah. A, a bit less movie-like and a bit more just people chatting with each other. I like that better. And um, one of my recommendations this week, Funny People by Judd Apatow, is another one that was based around the comedian circuit and had some realistic dialogue and I, it just had a touching thing about it. So I tend to like those ones better. Chasing Amy is another one where it's not based on a real thing, but it feels like a real situation somehow. Mm-hmm. Just the way it's acted or the way it's portrayed. This is kind of in the middle of the cheesy romantic comedy and the ones that I like. Because there's a bit of both in it. Do you, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yep. There's a bit of meet the parents where it gets <laughs> a bit goofy. And there's a lot of... But then it falls more on the side of dramatic, kind of sarcastic um, comedy. But there are some really touching moments in this. And some of them, most of them actually, don't involve Emily. It's the relationship between Kamal and the parents that I thought was the most touching part. Yeah. Because. And his family. I thought that was really good too, to see a little bit of what he's dealing with. Because in his, he's from Pakistan and his family's, you know, in, they've decided they want their children to marry. Muslim Pakistani people and they do the arranged marriage and all that and <clears throat> you get to sort of see the funny side even though it feels really awkward and oppressive and that's another thing that a lot of us like to deny we will look at that situation and go oh my family would never make me marry somebody I didn't want to marry however most families and I'm going to say most have rules that are either unwritten Unspoken, well, obviously unwritten, unspoken, but understood. Yeah, true. You don't marry, you better not marry an atheist. You better not marry somebody who's from another country. You better not marry anyone with brown skin or white skin or light skin or who speaks another language because it's not going to jive with us. It's just not. And I'm from that type of family who there's this weird mixture of well, sure, we don't have rules, and we don't, and those people over there, have that's terrible and oppressive, and yet, you know, my first husband was Turkish, and that was a very 
big deal. It was like, <laughs> like you know, the thing you just don't do. And everyone was suspicious and everyone was everything that's bad only because of that. Now, he turned out to be an asshole, but that's not because he was Turkish. That's why he's the ex-husband. But that's why I like those scenes with his family. It's like we can all project and go, oh, how ridiculous is that? But sit around your own table and the littlest things like how about if somebody comes in your house and says, you're say you're a, a Hillary or an Obama, oh, you're a Democratic family and you bring home a date who loves President Trump. Now, even that can make some people disown you. Yeah. Disown you as in do not come here until you stop dating that guy. I don't want to hear his name. You know, that kind of thing. So I thought that was it, it really they did it in a fun way. But it felt also sad. But then I like his bravery when it comes to how he really dealt with it. If that was true too, I don't know. But one of my favorite um, scenes was when um, the father, who played by Ray Romano, for when he sits him down when they're in the hospital and he says, "You can come over and eat your dinner with us." And then he says, "Nine eleven." Yeah, I know. And looks at him and he's like, "Because it's that thing." And then she gets pissed in the bar because that guy says a racist thing about. Being ta- being you know, ISIS, right? Well, the father's doing the same thing, but in a different direction. Because he's only asking him because he's from Pakistan. Exactly. The guy in the bar is being an asshole because the guy looks like he's got brown skin, brown hair, you know, and he has a Pakistani accent. So the father and the mother think they're just innocently, you know, open-minded. But it's all the same. His, and uh, I like that, exploring something without making it really... Well, un- super uncomfortable. What was his comeback for night when when he said nine eleven and he's like, oh, it was a bad joke. I wouldn't repeat it. Yeah, it was a good, watch the movie. It was, it was a good joke coming from a Pakistani guy who's obviously had. I know, yeah, exactly. Uh, Somebody people, who's had to deal with that. People say to him, "Oh, you're a terrorist. Or look at you. You look yeah. like a terrorist." Um, in in fact, there's a, there's an actual scene in the movie where a heckler. Yeah, so I was just talking about in the bar. Yeah. He's saying something that puts him in a particular box, just like the father does by asking him that he wants to discuss 9-11 with him. Innocently, True. but for the same reason, just because he's from Pakistan. So so this movie tackles those, you know, race relations type things. And also this, you know, the actual, it's complicated, the relationship between them two, because like when she... When she understands, she figures out that he's never going to introduce her to his family because it's just not going to work. There's no way his family will look at a white woman and go... he doesn't know how yet. He hasn't figured that part out. Yeah, yeah. but in his mind, when she asks him and says, like, well, you're just not going to tell them, and he's he's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm not. Cause no, I he, don't said, wa- he didn't say I don't. He said, I don't know. I don't want to lose my family. He, he said, said, I can't lose my family, but I don't know. That's what I mean. So, yeah. in my mind, he wasn't going to, like, because it's impossible. They're like a brick wall, his family. You know, there's Not no way. Not as we found it, out. It didn't seem like there was any way into his mother. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's pretty staunch, you know, so. Um, so, yeah, it's this, um, you know, romantic comedy that then turns into, about halfway through the movie, kind of sad. And uh, more about... Like, she's in a coma, so there's no, you know, he, he can't interact with her. And it, the way they've done it in the movie is their relationship's up in the air when she falls into the coma. 
In fact, it's over in her mind, right? Yeah, it seems like it. But not in his. He's like, oh, no, well, I could... No, he was done. I still love her. He was done. He wasn't even... He got the call out of the blue. Yeah, but the call made him realize... But they were both... He wouldn't have sought her out or anything. So, no, it was just one of those things. They'd been dating. She was like, don't call me. And then the next thing... The call out of the blue is a weird thing. That is real as well. But I was like... When I was watching it in the movie, I was like... Like... They, they, you know, friends have called like an ex-boyfriend. Sure. Well, it wasn't it hadn't been very long. No. Uh, yeah. So he's an ex-boyfriend, and she falls sick, and then they phone some of her college friends, phone him, and say, She's "Nobody can. We're yeah. all doing finals. Nobody can go. Go and look after her." Which is kind of shitty. Yeah, that's the part <laughs> where I was like, "That is really shitty." <laughs> um, just you know, ignore your final. Well, I guess you can't. You can't. No. So, um, what did you think about the uh, funniness quota of it? I laughed a lot. In a... Um... I didn't laugh at the comedians, funny enough. <laughs> no. Because they weren't very funny. But um, I laugh at the awkwardness and, like, the, the truth about a lot of things. I like that. And he's, he's just funny. He's got a solid, sort of quiet thing about him. I like that. Yeah, it's got a specific kind of uh, delivery. In fact, you get to see him do a little bit of stand-up. You get to see him have a breakdown while he's doing his stand-up. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I do agree that the um, other comedians that they intersperse, who are real comedians, you've probably seen some of them before, um, They, you know, you're in the stand-up club quite a bit, and you see some of them doing their acts, and their acts are so unfunny. I was like, if I went to this club, I'd want my money back, it's so bad. <laughs> it was not funny. Is it supposed to be really bad, or are they supposed know. to be hilarious, like... I wasn't sure. Because <laughs> there, there was nothing funny. Like, even when they stood backstage and they're talking about the the guy who's on the stage and saying, oh, yeah, he does, he's doing the same routine that he's always doing. And I was listening to the routine and I was like, it's so bad. Like, it's, is that what that guy does? Because he is a real stand-up. They all are, right? Well, that they're lady. saying he's not, that's not fun- no, funny. No, but then when that lady's up on the stage, who's a famous stand-up comedian lady... She's not funny either. Like it's it's almost like she does like a fifteen minute set, and they chose the th- the minute of it that was unfunny, <laughs> like the minute that she was just leading up to a joke. So you don't actually. So that was a missed opportunity because you could have had some funny stand up. A something that I love uh, in light of recent events um, with Louis C.K. I loved his show Louis on TV, and that was. Base, you know, around his life, and a lot of that took place in his comedy club, and you got to see different stand-ups, mm-hmm. and it was always funny. And when he came on, it was funny too. It was the same, similar setup, wasn't it, for the drama? Yeah. Movie, if you think about it. Um, but yeah, this one completely missed the mark for a movie that was about comedy. Like Unless his they were trying was... to be unfunny, which, yeah, you know. So all those parts I could have done without, but I do understand we had to see him in his workplace, which is a comedy club. Um, and it was another reason, like his family, like he said, you know, my Pakistani family want you to be a doctor or a lawyer and then stand-ups right at the very bottom of the thing. So that's another thing on his character. Yeah. Like his family are... God, he's the loser who's a stand-up comic. Even even if he's a successful one, it's just not what they want. So moving on to the cast here, Kumal Nanja- Nanjani plays Kumal. He plays himself. 
Um, he is a stand-up comedian and he also a writer for Comedy Central. Um, I think you already said what you think about him. He's, yeah, uh, I like him. Yeah, he's really personable and quite funny. And like I say, the parts at the beginning when he was starting to date her, I thought they were really like, felt like a real relationship going on. Like the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought he delivered that good. Zoe Kazan plays Emily. We actually, I had to look her up. We have seen her before. She was the main character, Ruby Sparks, in the movie Ruby Sparks, which I really liked, and I don't know what you thought of that. Um, I was hit and miss. Uh, she also wrote Ruby Sparks. Um, I loved her in this, to be honest. She, she was supernatural. Supernatural. Not supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got it. Like, she would, she doesn't... She feels naturally that, yeah. Yeah, like, she just felt like a girl is... I liked all the back and forth between her and him about, like, let's not see each other again. You know, all that part where they're yeah. being a bit, like, well, I'm not really ready for a relationship. All right, we won't bother phoning each other. And then they literally phone each other immediately. Like, well, it's... Yeah, he called her. Yeah, exactly. So, um... Yeah, she's really good. Uh, Holly Hunter plays Beth. We've seen Holly Hunter a few times recently. Um, we saw her in Twin Peaks last. Wasn't a befit, wasn't a good ending for her in that, was it? <laughs> um, we saw her in The Hateful Eight. And now we see her in this. Holly Hunter was in The Hateful Eight? Holly Hunter was the, um, the woman who they tied no. up. <clears throat> she wasn't? Yes, yeah, she was. No, she wasn't. In The Hateful Eight? <laughs> Hateful Eight in the cabin. Yeah. No, that's not Holly Hunter. That was absolutely Holly Hunter. It was not. I mean, let me prove it to you. The lady who had the teeth missing and like was beaten or beaten up and tied. Nope. The Hateful Eight is her name's um, Jennifer or something. Oh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Why, why am I thinking Holly Hunter was in that? <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee. What was Holly Hunter in that was Tarantino? I don't think anything. I feel like she was in a Tarantino movie. We'll find out. Unless it was brief. And I don't remember what she was in Twin Peaks. Maybe I'm thinking of Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> Maybe I think that's the same woman. <laughs> Charming. I don't know for sure. In Twin Peaks, Tim Roth's woman. Tim Roth. Yeah. The assassin guy in the van. No, that's Jennifer Jason Lee. It is, because it is because they were both from um they were both in Hateful Eight oh my and then God, they were both that in is Jumping. hilarious. That All right, is... so Holly Hunter. What have we seen her in recently? So you love Jennifer Jason Lee in the Hateful Eight and in Twin Peaks. Apparently. Yeah. Uh so Holly Hunter, we've seen her in nothing recently. Well she apparently. was in she was the wife in Oh no, you know who I'm confusing her with. <laughs> <laughs> Sally Field. <laughs> oh yeah, Sally Field. She yeah. was in Lincoln. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Holly, but that, that makes you really good. Holly, we thought you were somebody else the entire time. Or I did, at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. So start cry- she is the Incredibles. She's the woman, the wife. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Holly Hunter, we didn't see her in any of Tarantino's movies. But... Doesn't look like it. <laughs> <laughs> she was in Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, remember? She's the one that got the T. She got the what? The tea on her desk. He gave her the tea. I the drink, the iced tea. I don't. Oh, yes, yeah. I do remember that, yes. 
Oh, yeah. We really suck at this memory game. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> well, apparently I have a blind spot where Holly Hunter just disappears <laughs> from my mind completely. And she's replaced by Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> All right, and so, for me, it's Sally Field, so I don't know what the deal is there. See, it totally explains it. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I was watching Holly Hunter on this movie, and I was like, wow, she's so small. I didn't realize she was so small. I said that. I'm like, she's But so I was tiny. thinking about Jennifer Jason Lee, who is not as small as that. <laughs> so it was almost like she shrunk. And you even said it, didn't you? It's like she shrunk. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, Holly, for mistaking you. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, we were putting you in good company. She so. was in the piano, wasn't she? Yes. Or was that Jennifer Jason Lee? That was, Jennifer, that was her. That was Holly Hunter. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the piano was a good one. So, yeah, Holly Hunter was excellent in this movie. <laughs> We have to say that now. No, I, I really thought she was actually. Yeah, she was I, good. It was a kind of a complicated character. There was like something going on between her and her husband, but she was also having to hold it together. And she definitely reminded me of what my mother would be like if I were in a coma. She didn't want anything to do with Kamel at first. Right. He, he was like, well, she she. She was the kind of mother who the daughter tells everything to. Correct. So to her, this ex-boyfriend is bad news. Like, she doesn't really want to deal with him. Correct. I really liked her. And Ray Romano, who I don't generally like. He was good in Funny People. And he was good in this. Really good in this. Like, again, like, he dropped all the, like, smarmy, snacky stuff. Everybody loves Raymond stuff. Yeah, and he was just, like, this, like, kind of beaten down middle-aged guy. Like, he just felt... Felt sad, didn't he? Like, he felt like he, his life was kind of sad. Well, we find out why. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he just was kind of broken and damaged. Um, really liked him. Uh, Arm Palm Kia plays Kamel, Kamel's dad, and Zenoba Shroff plays the mother. There we go. Um, I, I was like going to say, uh, kind of, I mean, it's kind of a the kind of stereotypical Pakistani family, though. Mm-hmm. But there again, that's what he said his family were like, right? They were staunch and there's no wavering from the plan. You're a Muslim, go and pray. In fact, that was interesting. That yeah, it was when they, when he goes off to do his pray five minutes of prayer, he wasn't doing the prayer. So he like I don't his, think he would be. I think that's representative of probably a lot of younger people. Yeah, like it's <coughs> like. He was playing video games, actually, instead of prep. He's setting his timer and then just sitting using his phone. So, like, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's the, if that is a thing. Mm, I imagine it is. Like, it's a thing for my mum and dad, but, like, I don't want to offend It's the same thing them. as somebody who isn't a Christian but goes to church with mom and dad on Sunday because if you don't, you're going to get an earful, so you might as well sit there. You don't have to be thinking about church. You just sit there yeah. thinking, I can't wait till this is over. But they, you do it as a gesture just to ease, like, so you don't have to bring it up, basically. This is directed by Michael Showalter. He um, did a movie called Hello, My Name is Doris last year. Do you remember seeing the trailers for that one? Mm-mm. It was Sally Fields. She was like an older lady and she falls you in sure love with sure it was Sally Field? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it was up for some awards um, last year. We didn't see it, but uh, he's also a um, Comedy Central head honcho type writer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did a good job here. It just felt, you know, one of my uh, recommendations this week is Chasing Amy. It almost felt like, like, not Chasing Amy particular, 
but you know, um, Jersey Girl. Like yeah. when Kevin Smith got to like that point of his kind of went a bit more commercial, but it still had that heart of like a real story. That's it felt like that a bit to me the way it was made. Um, so uh, extras on this Blu-ray, and there are quite a few. There's uh, the making of the Big Sick. There's the real story, which is excellent. It's actually him and his wife being interviewed. Um, there's a 2017 South by Southwest Film Festival panel. I really hate those panels, but if you like them, there's yeah. one here. Cast and filmmaker commentary on the whole movie, which I'm definitely going to listen to. And there's the uh, deleted scenes and some outtakes and stuff. So there is quite a bit of stuff on there. Um, so conclusion, what do you think of The Big Sick? I enjoyed it. It's got a lot of um, <coughs> awards buzz this year. Do you think we might awards see it? Awards buzz. I think we might see it in the Oscars or the... Um, you know, the uh, whatever the other one is, <laughs> Emmys or Independent <laughs> Film Awards. The Emmys, the Emmys are for TV. No, um, I think there's some films in Emmys now, right? I think it has both. Independent Spirit Awards is another one. Do you think we would see this movie? Do you think it's that high quality? Um, I don't know if that's a measure of what ends up in the awards shows. Well, I think they're generally of high quality. And good acting and a nice story, well presented. Well, I don't know. I think that's probably debatable. So we will see if we will see it. But um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very sweet. And mm-hmm. uh, they don't they don't lay on the line that it's a true story. They don't have a, a thing at the beginning saying this is based no. on a true story. So it's not like you're watching it thinking, oh, this is a true... I just knew it was a true story from an interview I saw with him or something. So it's not hinged on that because you can still enjoy it without even knowing it but uh yeah i recommend it if you like i think it's a like not to put it down but i think it's an above average romantic comedy and it actually veers into the dramatic drama side of romantic comedy mm-hmm. so yeah i recommend it and you do too yep well i mean if you like I don't know. I don't know about recommending movies anymore. I I think if you just watch it and decide if you like it, that's what I'd say. I'd recommend it if you do like a uh, a touching laugh. <laughs> so thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. If you want to win a contest, we've got a few this week. We have got a copy of uh, Home Again, which is the new Reese Witherspoon movie on Blu-ray. We have got a the C, uh, HBO series The Deuce. We've got the first season of that where you can get a digital code to watch the whole season and keep it full, you know. And we've also got a new movie that's coming out by Lionsgate in January called Friend Request, which stars Alicia from uh, Fear the Walking Dead. And uh, it's a horror film. And uh, we've got one of those to give away as well. So go to com, click on the word contest, and you can enter and win one of those fabulous prizes. Next week's Blu-ray review will be... Uh, Dunkirk, Mr. Who's back? Who, who made Dunkirk? I don't know. I'm blanking. The guy who made Batman. Christopher Nolan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. We'll look at that next week. Uh, movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of The Big Sick. And I'm going with Funny People, which is a Judd Apatow, um, actual Judd Apatow movie, released a few years ago, starring Adam Sandler. And, um, it's a more dr- drama than comedy, I think, and it's about 
like it focuses around the comedy clubs and uh, some people involved. It's really funny. Um, hence, it's called Funny People. And my other one is Chasing Amy, which is one of my favourite romantic comedies. Of all time. I actually have the poster on my uh, theatre room wall there still. <laughs> and I will never remove it because it's one of my favourites. Um, Chasing Amy, it, Ben Affleck and um, Joey Lauren Adams. It's really good. You should watch it. <laughs> and yours are? Mine are In Good Company. Because we- I don't know why every year it kind of crops up. It's got Dennis Quaid and um, Marg Hel- Helgenstein, is her name? Uh, and a young Scarlett Johansson, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. She's younger. It's also a sweet romantic comedy, but it doesn't necessarily go the way you think. So I've always enjoyed that one. And Joe versus the Volcano, because I was trying to think, what's another one where <clears throat> somebody somebody's view of life and love has to change because of the threat of illness or dying or, you know, and that just popped into my head. And there you go. That's an oldie. It is. Yeah. Uh, games and A-Scully stuff, I've been playing uh, Destiny 2, The Curse of Osiris. It's the first DLC for Destiny 2. Um, so what they did with this DLC is it came out on Tuesday. They upped the level cap so everybody would be at level 20 at this point because you've been playing it for a few months. And the level cap was 20. Well, they've upped the level cap to 25. Now, while that seems... Oh, wow, I can get five more levels, that'll be fun. Well, it took me precisely 90 minutes to do that, so I don't even see the point of having levels anymore because, I mean, 90 minutes into the into the DLC, it said max, max level reached and that's it now until the next one comes out. Can't get any more XP, so I don't see the point in the XP. It's fun for about 90 minutes. Yeah. But the other thing is, they um, add uh, they added like a you have two XP caps in um, Destiny 2. You have the you have your XP level, which goes to 25 now, which you'll do in 90 minutes. And then you have your weapon level, which is where the, the fun part, where you find all the new guns and the guns are better level than the ones you've got and you keep the good ones and throw the bad ones away. Um, well, the guns now go up to level 350, where they were at 300, I believe, before. Now, what... What's fun about that is for the when the DLC comes out for the first day or so you're always finding like awesome weapons because all the new guns have been introduced. Everything that you that you find is usually something better than the stuff you've previously had. So that's really fun for about a day and then after a day when you've collected all the new weapons and you got all the good stuff finding new weapons is very very rare. So you hit a plateau again where it's like, oh, well, you know, at some point I might find something better than this one. So these Destiny 2 expansion packs are awesome. For about two days, you got that feeling of, oh, I'm getting new stuff, I'm getting new stuff. And then you get to this point where it just goes back to how it was before the DLC. Now, there is a story mode in this DLC, The Curse of Osiris. I haven't finished it yet. I've done like three or four levels of it. But um, it's a cool new world. It's Mercury. Um so it's a lot different to the other planets that you've been to. <clears throat> Mercury is a very sandy. Uh, it's not like Mars where it's all red, but it's just like Egypt, I guess, <laughs> like sand sand. Um, but 
What's cool about the Mercury level is it's unlike all the other planets because it's got this randomly generated uh, kind of feel to it. It's actually explained in the story why it does this, but every time you go there, it's slightly different. Um, and it's all built from like building blocks, so it kind of it can it's always different because they just randomly assemble it when you get there. So it well where the other planets you know them all off by art, you can just go there, and this one never feels familiar, which I like. So um, that's the Curse of Osiris. It's the new Destiny 2 uh, expansion pack. I've also been playing some VR games this week, uh, just tr- trying all kinds of VR games, trying to see what the best stuff is. And these are some of my standout ones. There's one called Form, F-O-R-M. And uh, it's a puzzle game set in virtual reality. And it, it reminds me a bit of the Lawnmower Man, if you remember that movie from mm-hmm. back in the day. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Where it's like cyberspace and you're like everything's kind of a little bit tronish, but a little bit, but more lawnmower manish. It's like the, how lawnmower man have this vision of virtual reality. We're kind of at that now, aren't we? So it's, it's like that, but it's a puzzle game. You're stood in this room, you're a scientist, you log onto this computer and then you're solving all these puzzles, but you're always stood in one spot. So it makes it really easy to play in VR, but you've got a big desk in front of you kind of in the dark and a lot of the games involve light and they involve sound and it's just this really immersive thing that you could not do on a flat screen because there are there are times where you're doing these DNA strands and you're pulling them out of this test tube type thing so there's these strands floated in midair and like you've got like a symbol and then you've got a line and then another symbol and they're actually floating in 3D space in front of you. They obviously, uh, If you've never tried VR, it's hard to kind of explain VR. You can't definitely... Whenever you see like somebody on YouTube do a VR game, that is not exa- that's not what it's like. You can't really express how it feels like a, until you're in it. It's, you know, it's, it's like you're in a... Everything's 3D and there's an actual sense of size and scale and space... And a lot of these puzzles in this game, they actually take that into account. Like, So there's a part where you have to... It's kind of like Simon, where you play musical notes. What The puzzle's like that, like green, red, blue, green. But you've got like a... You know, that whatever. what's the thing called that you play a violin with? A bow? A, a bow. You've got the violin bow. And in front of you are these glowing strings that are super 3D, like in your face. And you're playing them and sparks are coming off them and you've got to play them in the order that it kind of tells you. It's like nothing I've ever played. It's really immersive and um, you definitely should wear your headphones and uh, get your VR helmet on and you will get lost. It's like 90 minutes long, the whole game. I was a bit disappointed when it came to the end. I was like, oh, really? Is that it? Because it doesn't really... There's not really a conclusion to it. It's just a really cool experience while you're doing it. So that's called Farm. You can get it on Steam. And the other one I was playing was called Rec Room, which is like a, um, it's a rec room, recreational room. Um, you go in there, you, you pick an avatar, you, you call yourself whatever you want to be called. And you go in and it's other people in VR on all platforms, actually. PlayStation VR, Oculus Rift, um, Vive and Windows Mixed Reality, all of them uh, can all. It's all cross-platform. So, I was speaking to one guy, and he's on the PlayStation. He's telling me about, and he's asking me about 
what are you on? But you see each other's avatars, and you all stood in this big rec room, and you can all talk, and you can high-five, and you can, you know, your voice comes out of you because there's a microphone. So it's like really being with all these other people, like a giant chat room. But then you can also go off into the rec room. It has different areas. It has laser tag where you can, it has tennis. It has table tennis. It has um, paintballing. It has like, um, like a, like a rock band type game, like a rhythm thing. But you can go off and play it together. So I got a game of tennis with a guy. It was really cool. You just swing your, you know, it's real simple. Swing the racket, eight, uh, you know. But it's really funny when the person at the other end of the court is actually talking to you. They're like, hey, I'm going to hit it above now. Like, and it's just very interactive. It's all a weird VR moments where somebody gets too close to you and it feels a bit weird. Like, get out of my privacy <laughs> bubble. So I went into the settings. And because uh, that felt weird. A little kid was coming up to me. It was actually a kid. I could hear the kid voice. And he was saying, high five me, high five me. And I was like, oh, you're kind of in my face. <laughs> so I looked in the settings, and there's actual settings for your personal bubble. Like, and it was it's set to small, so people can really get up on you. And, I mean, it feels like somebody's in your face. Like, so I put it to big, and then they can only kind of, they can't get that close. So nice. it doesn't feel weird. Like, And the other thing about the game, what makes it feel really weird, is it's proximity chat. So... If I'm really close to you, I sound really loud. And if I'm far away, it sounds like I'm far away. So when a kid gets in your face and he's like, hey, high five me, high five me. It's just a bit weird. But um, I had some fun. What I did notice as well about VR is if you go and play something like Call of Duty on the Xbox or the PC, everybody is an asshole, right, <laughs> in chat. Everybody's calling you the F word or it's yeah. just it's just it's rancid and full of what I found in VR is everybody's very nice. Kids, they might be goofing around, but nobody's swearing at you. Nobody's calling you anything. They're p- seriously, like, trying out that experience. You know, like like a guy, I was, there was a guy stood there and he said, Hey, um, hey Scully, um, I can hear myself through you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I think your mic is on too loud. I was like, okay, I was fixing it. And then he's saying, yeah, I come in here all the time. I think it's really cool. Like, a, you know... You wouldn't believe the amount of people I've made friends with in here. And I'm like, these, you know, people not... Like, most things turn to shit, right, don't they, because of people. Yeah. This didn't seem that way. It seems like people who've spent the money on a VR headset, they don't want to goof around. They just want to, like, actually really experience the stuff. So I have noticed that, that people are actually a bit more polite and a bit more grown up. You can also, in this rec room, tick a box that actually doesn't put kids in your game if you don't want them, you know? Mm-hmm. Because you have to as say... As long as they've told the truth about how old they are. As long as they've told the truth. But you can mute anybody as well. You can just point at them. If you point at them and you uh, uh, you do it, there's a certain... You can wave at people, you can high-five, you know, because you've got hands. There's a certain thing you can do where you point and it just mutes them. It wipes them out. It reminds me of that Black Mirror um, episode we watched. Yeah. Where you can just mute somebody in real life. Yeah, that was cool. It's kind of, that, this is kind of how that felt because you can just go, bye, <laughs> you're gone now. And I don't hear you or see you anymore. So yeah, that's called Rec Room. And the best part about that is it's absolutely free. Uh, there's no microtransactions or anything. It's really well polished too. Um, and it's on Steam. Totally free. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? 
Jimmy John's. <laughs> I've run out of things to cook. Nice. I used up all the potatoes and the pasta. There's no rice. There's some soup and some burgers, if you want that instead. But I think ordering from Jimmy John's is a good Saturday night thing. Sounds good. <clears throat> and my advice is that it's not really advice. It's just an observation. I try to be pretty honest, and I've figured out there's a difference between being honest and always telling the truth about a thing. Now, some people will debate this, I'm sure, probably since the dawn of language. But <clears throat> you can be silent about the truth of the matter about something. But um, I don't know how I'm going to apply this <laughs> what? to my situation. What's happening? Well, being honest and truthful, I just think, are two different things. Just think about it. <laughs> I don't know how to apply it to real life. Thank you for your sure. insightful. It's very and deep. And, and deep. next week I might come back and go, you know what? That was not accurate. So, but. Well, well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well said. Well articulated. <laughs> So um, I want to remind you about my website, aschoolie.com. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Not mine, because I let mine lapse, and then I never renewed it. So no more SidTalk.com. You can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, or... Easy to say. You can go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, and subscribe there. You can even listen on the page. We have all of them to listen to. You can go also, if you own an Amazon Echo, you can say whatever your trigger word is, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. You can email feedback to me at aschoolatescoolie.com, don't email SidTalk, and uh, stay classy, uh, Mr. Kumail Nanjani. I hope I got your name right. I would really like to see some more stuff from you. Um... Definitely. <laughs> I know you. I know your true story has been told, but let's have some new fiction from you. Now. Yes. And I will say, think for yourself, or someone will do it for you. <laughs>